You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is your host, Stephen Roach. This is season three, episode three. One of the underlying themes for the upcoming The Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Gathering is the exploration of the relationship between heritage and innovation. And for me, part of that involves listening and reminiscing upon the words of the fathers and the mothers who have influenced both our spiritual and our creative paths. And so today, I have the privilege of introducing you to someone who has been both a spiritual and a creative mentor in my life, as well as to the lives of countless others. This is storyteller and visual artist Ken Helser. Ken is the founder of A Place for the Heart Ministries here in North Carolina. He is the father of songwriter Jonathan Helser and is himself a songwriter and recording artist. And so I had the chance to sit down with Ken and discuss his life, his art, and his passion for hearing the voice of God. And so today, I want to invite you into our conversation. This is my journey to the heart with Ken Helser. Ken, thank you so much for joining us on Makers and Mystics. It's an honor to sit down with you for a conversation. And, you know, when I think about you, I think of you as a musician and a songwriter. I think of you as a storyteller, as a mentor, a visual artist, and a minister. So there are several different directions we could take the conversation, but why don't we start by telling the listeners about your early life as a musician and what motivated you in that pursuit? Well, having 47 years to think on those things. <laughs> right. Since May the 19th of 1970, when I left all that, mm. I, I, I began to see some reasons why I did what I did. Yeah. And um, I did about eight and a half years of prison ministry and had a man that helped me with my material and he made a statement, Tom Watson, who's buried over there in front of the building under a log at a place in the heart. He had one statement that just jarred me. He said, the most painful thing that can ever happen to a human being is to have rejection. Mm. That there's nothing more painful. And I began to realize, wow, the bottom line of the Ten Commandments says, you can't do this, you can't do that. Right. No, the bottom line is, is God knew what it would feel like to be rejected. Wow. So if you steal somebody's goods where they've worked hard for it, they're going to suffer rejection. When you commit adultery, that's huge rejection. To bear fault, to tell a lie on somebody with a, a sense of gossip that's not true, yeah. that hurts. And no one knew rejection like Jesus. Wow. He came to his own, his own. So as a little boy, I really ran home from school many days mm. from the rejection feeling of just being the little skinny mm-hmm. kid. Mm-hmm. And told my mother school burned down and they couldn't have school anymore. <laughs> She'd take me back. But honestly, I became aware. My friend Tommy Baker said, have you heard of this new music called rock and roll? Hmm. I'd never heard of it. So we went around on Hillsborough Street in Raleigh and collected Coke bottles. And you could get two cents per Coke bottle. And we took them to the fruit stand, is what they called it. 
and we traded in those Coke bottles and got a quarter. Hmm. And you could get six plays on a jukebox for a quarter, not five. You could get six and get an extra. And when I heard, you ain't nothing but a hound dog, I'm supposed to cry all the time. <laughs> well, you ain't now the Colorado, you ain't no friend of mine. Don't be cruel, I do all oh, that's true. Mm. Be popular, <laughs> she's a my baby. And I found I could imitate these people. Mm. So they had this little thing in the fifth grade, little talent thing, and I got up and sang some of their songs, and the place went crazy. Mm. So the connection was, I wasn't skinny Kenny anymore. Mm -hmm. I was somebody who could sing. Mm -hmm. And anything you look to for your identity will really rule your life. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't so much that I chose to be a musician as much as I I found an identity. And that was me. Charles is recording in New York and he's imitating uh, Nat King Cole and all these great artists and they come out of the control room and they say, you know, what we want is Ray. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's the problem. I don't know who Ray is because mm. all I've ever done was imitate all these people. Wow. And I remember having done so much imitation that I didn't know how to be me. Yeah. Because I was the culmination of all these different people that I'd imitated. Wow. And it was really hard to find out who me is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I did love music, and I was moved deeply by music. And so out of high school, I joined a nine-piece black band in 1963. Wow. And I absolutely loved those guys. And they loved me. Uh Uh-huh. And... um, we just had some hit records and did things. And so on May the 19th, I'll wrap this up real good. I was under so much conviction, Stephen, because I passed the hash pipe to Leo, my saxophone player, and I said, Is it dynamite? Come on, man. Take a drag, And he looked at me and tears rolled down his face. He wow. said, I'll never do that again. I said, Wow. He said, because I got saved. And I said the S word, Mm. and then I wasn't saved. Yeah. (laughs) But it haunted me. Mm. It's called conviction. Yeah. And I ended up getting a Bible that my wife had at Wesleyan College, and she had taken a Bible class. And I fell in love with the book. Mm. I I never read anything like it, and I was into transcendental meditation. I was going to, I had five years of college. I studied all kinds of philosophy and thought and was into doing yoga and transcendental meditation, but I never read anything like the Bible. Mm. And one day I read Isaiah 55, 3, here, and your soul shall live. And when you're doing some of the LSD I was doing, I heard God in every, I heard God in a Coke can. <laughs> it's the only reality I held on for six hours to come yeah. back down. But I said, hear what? And the voice within said, hear God. And I tried to find people who had heard God. Because I, I reason, how can you have a relationship with someone you never listened to? Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, people have a relationship with the Bible, but it says here, 
you can hear God. Yeah. And I thought, how can you have a relationship without hearing another's voice? But I could not find anybody who could tell me mm. that they either heard God or how you do hear God. Yeah. Because all the other things have techniques or rules. Mm-hmm. And finally, I ended up on Reverend Jack Wilder, Florida Street Baptist Church. I thought he was a narcotics agent, short hair. <laughs> and for two and a half hours, he told me about the voice of the Lord. And I was so in, just raptured, enamored. And I said when he finished, he said, can I hear God like that? Hmm. And he said, no. I said, why? And he said, because your God is music. Wow. And I said, my God is music. He said, anything you look to for your identity hmm. is the idol that your heart serves and rules your life. And I said, well, can I be a, a Christian and have music too? And he said, you can't serve two masters. Uh-huh. You will love the one, hate the other, hate the one, love the other. And so I said, well, I, I want to hear God like you. Mm-hmm. And I'll resign today. And I did. Wow. And I never thought that I'd ever play, because that was a hard decision. Yeah. I didn't think I'd ever play music again. But the most beautiful thing to one of the most beautiful things to me about the freedom that Christ brings is that you can have music without music having you. Mm, that's good. But I'm in a nice home, and God helped my wife and I living by faith for 47 years. We're in a beautiful home, but this home does not have me. I drive a nice car, but that car does not own me. Yeah. To have something without something having you mm-hmm. and to be able to use it for his glory, yeah. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So uh, if you thought of me as a musician, I've, I don't think of myself as a musician. And I forget that I, yeah, I, I play music. I, mm-hmm. I write. I, I really think of myself, wow, this is all over me. Mm. I really think of myself as a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And it, it, there's a scripture in First John that says, it does not yet appear what we shall be. Mm. But we know that when he appears, we're going to be like him. Yeah. And it's almost 73. I don't think I've yet found out who I am. Mm. That that the beautiful part is I am fine with who I am today, but I will not be this tomorrow. Yeah. Because this is a journey from day to day, being unleashed from all that was wrong about me mm-hmm. to become Christ in me, the hope of glory. That's what mm-hmm. Colossians said. Wow. So it's a beautiful thing. That <laughs> the thing reason people don't like old farts Old people, you can edit that out. I wish you'd leave it in, really, because everybody will get more of what I'm talking about. It's the problem with older people is they arrive. Mm. And if you ever arrive, you're no longer on a journey. Mm-hmm. Because once you arrive, you're going to miss God. Mm. Because he's that big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the joy, too. Mm-hmm. If when I begin to realize that a billion, billion people quadrillion, trillion years from now, Stephen, we will bump into each other. Hmm. And we will be standing there having this conversation, and all of a sudden we'll go, did you see that? And we will see a new facet of God that will never end because that is how big God is. So we'll never come to the end of him because anything you ever figure out, you become bored with. Yeah, wow. So the mystery 
the beauty of the mystery of God is we will never get to the end of it. Mm-hmm. So that heaven can never be born. Tell me about how journaling the voice of God impacted your journey and going from who you thought you were to who He says you are. Well, you cannot hear the voice of God without transformation. I mean, there's something about the very voice of God from the very beginning when he said, let there be light. And now we find out that this, the universe is still going. When he said, let there be light, it's, it's not ended. Mm-hmm. We're constantly finding new galaxies and we're going, wow, it's not stopped. That's how powerful the voice is. It's all made from him speaking. Mm-hmm. And so when I learned journaling from Mickey Evans' old cowboy in Dunklin Memorial Camp, which is down swamps of Okeechobee, that uh, 50-some years ago, Mickey started an addiction ministry because the Lord told him uh, addiction is going to be the number one problem in the world. Hmm. And he was working with these men, and uh, he learned that if each man would sit down daily and let God speak to them, that they would hear the root of what calls. Let, let me just, someone asked me this question. Somebody I was mentoring online in Australia, and it was a great question. If God puts our sin as far as the East is from the West and remembers it no more, then why is he always bringing up the past? <laughs> and I thought, that's a great question. <laughs> and I, I journaled that. I said, Lord, this is a simple question. And the Lord said, I'm not bringing up the sin of the past. I'm bringing up what caused it so you can get free from it mm-hmm. and not have to live into the bondage of that. I am always about from glory to glory, from freedom to freedom. Yeah. For whom the sun sets free. And freedom comes from truth. Mm-hmm. From the truth being, well, this is the reason I responded that way. And if you really want to know what's going on in your heart, just look at your attitude. Yeah. You know, when, when my wife says something, she said, hey, don't put that mayonnaise jar there. Put it. <laughs> and I say, you know what? You own the kitchen. I don't own the kitchen. You're the queen. It's your kitchen. It's your refrigerator. I don't know why I was in here helping in the first place. And I storm out of the house. And I just am mad. And I'm angry. And it's the first day of vacation. And I realize I'm blown it, man. <laughs> why did I act like that? Journaling. God, I confess to you that I made a mess and I got a whole week of vacation with my honey and I have already messed up. Why in the world did I respond over a mayonnaise jar to hurt her the way I did? Mm-hmm. And the voice of the Lord journaling is you ask him your most heartfelt question, but then you let him respond to you. Yeah. And the Lord answered and said, it's because you did not hear Linda, you heard your mother. As I heard my mother, he said, yes, you heard that voice of perfection all your life because you never, ever pleased your mother because she was a perfection. Whatever you did, she never really approved of. Now, my mother's gone now, and it's forgiven, and I'm healed. But memory, the enemy comes in through voices of our past and uses other people's voices to communicate things because he knows he's going to touch that button of hurt and 
that rejection place. And so journaling is writing the most honest heartfelt prayers and then allowing God to speak. And anytime God speaks, it's truth and love. So that's where journaling for the last 20 some years has been the most powerful thing. I want to switch gears for a minute because I, I want to ask you about your visual art and just about your painting. And I know that played a huge role in even the the early days of the farm here at A Place for the Heart and even how you made your livelihood. I'd love for the listeners to know maybe when you first started painting and just how painting interacted with what you did in ministry. When I was a little boy, my mother was quite an artist and and she, in fact, it's right over there on the wall over there somewhere. It's up on that little shelf. That's a toy amb- middle, middle, little metal toy ambulance. Mm-hmm. I think it's up there. A fire truck. Fire yeah, truck. I see it. And um, she heard me drawing a picture because boys make noise. <laughs> People are jumping out of windows. and There's a building on fire, and I'm drawing this thing. And, she said, what are you doing? She heard me. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to have the best picture, and it's going to be put up next to Mr. Hooper's office. He's the principal, and they're having a contest in the first grade. And she said, you'll never win like that. And I said, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And she turned my paper over. She said, don't touch that piece of paper. She came back with that toy fire truck and set it in front of me. And she said, drawing is learning to see first. Hmm. Now, I am six years old, (laughs) and she sat down painstakingly for 20 minutes and taught me to see that fire truck with my eyes closed. Hmm. She said, if you can see it from the heart, from the inside of you, then you can draw it on the outside. (laughs) And that was the best art lesson I've ever had. (laughs) So I learned to see and replicate what I could see. Mm. And I was pretty good, and it stood out in the fifth, sixth grade, toy shop, hobby shop, Cameron Village, Raleigh, 32 tubes of paint, oil paint and set. I said, Mom, if I had that for Christmas, I could be a real artist. Mm. And Christmas morning, I didn't get the oil paint set. I got five tubes of paint. (laughs) And I was so disappointed. And she says, come on, I'll show you something. And with those five tubes of paint, all during Christmas vacation, we mix color with five tubes of paint. I fell in love with watercolors. And as it turned out, uh, somebody... In fact, right behind you on the wall is a thing called Daisies Along the Way. Mm-hmm. And I was going to paint that and make a copy of it and make cards and frame them for Christmas presents because we didn't have any money. And I went to get the camera from the fellow, and he said, I, I can't loan you my camera. He said, you need to do it professionally. I said, that's not that good. He said, I'll show you. And he spent the money to make 300 prints for me. And we sold out those 300 prints in less than six months. Mm. And I had no idea 
that graphic visual arts was going to be part of my I just, I fell into it. I had no idea. But the thing about that picture was called Daisies Along the Way. It's a time on the Blue Ridge Parkway when I went away for the day, very troubled with some situations and issues. And I just pulled off the road and stopped at a split rail fence with daisies and just sat there. And the daisies began to speak to me about how they bloom and blossom where God plants them and don't go run away, stay where you are. Mm. An oak tree becomes an oak tree because it doesn't move itself around. It stays rooted where it is. Mm. And it kept me from taking a terrible wrong detour in life. Mm. And the daisies, daisies along the way and God used them to speak. So I put the story, short story on the back of the picture and I got a letter. A man bought a lady in this neighborhood, one of the pictures. And she wrote me this letter. She said, you know, you don't know me, but my friend down the road bought this picture for me. And the picture's nice, but the story did everything. Hmm. She said, I had planned on taking my life. And I was very suicidal because I just could not take it anymore. And I kept reading that story. And I found daisies along the way. And she did not take her life. And the Lord spoke to me, Stephen, and said, you really are an illustrator. Hmm. And I've never painted a picture that didn't start with a story. So I'm illustrating, in a visual sense, Mm -hmm. the story. Wow. And that was the beginning. And then when we got a place in the heart, almost 50% of the buildings down there are paid for by my artwork. Wow. That's incredible. You've owned a place for the heart. You bought the land how many years ago now? Last year was... 30-year celebration. Yeah, so it's a, it's a 52, 52 acres, is that right? Yeah. Somewhere around there, 52 acres, and I know it's just always been a set-apart place to encounter God. And I know that for me, even coming into that environment was really uh, freeing, just to come to a place that had no agenda other than getting together and seeking an encounter with God and giving you the freedom to work through some of the rejections or some of the issues and the things that you had gone through. so And it, and it began musically, but then Jonathan's little sister, Sarah, mm-hmm. one night brought in her pastel chalks and she was sitting there and she just, as we were worshiping, she'd close her eyes and she'd have some thoughts and she would just sort of sketch out these things. And she sketched three pictures And later that night, someone had some things to share, and we had not seen her pictures. And she went, wow, the three things that you guys talked about, I had the pictures of them, and we began to realize worship brought in the prophetic, Mm -hmm. and there she was with three pictures that came far later. Yeah, yeah. Which is a beautiful thing. It's almost like the closer we get to the Creator, the more natural creative expression comes out of our own heart. Does that resonate with you that the more you get close to the Creator, that it seems like creativity is a natural Jonathan expression said so of that? Time. Ecclesiastes, Solomon wrote, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm. And Jonathan said to me, Daddy, do you realize that's the S-U-N? But everything's new under the S-O-N. Mm. And we haven't even begun to see 
the creativity of expression. So we call it arts, but it's just simply expression of the inner person, of the nature of God coming through us. discipled countless young artists. I, I know with the 18-inch journey you were telling me earlier how you just get to sit around a table for an hour and a half with six or seven students that come. And so you've discipled tons of artists and musicians and, and creative seekers over the years, but what's one of the biggest challenges that some of the people you've discipled are facing today? This is, this is interesting. Had a fella from Norway a couple of weeks ago. Um, made a lot of YWAM schools in Norway, and I really like this fella. And I didn't know he wrote music, mm -hmm. so he sends me this email, and he says, "I'd I'd like for you to hear some of my songs." I didn't even know. I've known him for six, seven years. I didn't know he wrote music, and so he sends me these songs. And I always have people sending me artwork and music, and they want to merchandise it, Stephen. Mm -hmm. They really want to live off of it. Mm -hmm. They want to be professional. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, it was a nice expression of himself, but it really would never sell. Mm -hmm. He will never go on the road and be up in the big concerts. Mm -hmm. He will never do what my son is getting to do. And I had such a battle. How do I tell him what you did is valid, mm -hmm. but don't think about taking it to the bank because you'll go broke. Mm. And it was so hard for me. Yeah. And I didn't know how to answer him because I don't, I want to be an encourager, yeah. but I, won't, I don't want to give people an encouragement that this can be their yeah. calling and Right. Their whole life. Right. And that's a hard one. Mm -hmm. And I got an answer, and it was a memory from a story Don Potter told. And I love Don Potter. Mm -hmm. He's influenced us so much. He, he taught my son and John Mark McMillan, his first two students that came to Morning Star to, to do a school of worship, to be the teacher and lead that. He told the story of a lady who had a magnificent, beautiful voice. And everybody kept saying, you know, you really need to record your voice. So she finally raised enough money to make a little demo, and she went out to Nashville and knocked on the doors of every publishing recording house. And rejection, rejection, rejection. Well, it's great. you got a great voice, but we just don't have a place for her right now. She comes back to the motel exasperated. She collapses on the bed, and she just cries out, God! If you're not going to use my voice, why did you give me a beautiful voice if you're not going to use it? And the Lord answered and said, because I thought you would enjoy it. Wow. And sometimes the struggle is it only has worth if you can merchandise it. Mm, that's really but good. But sometimes there's some things that I think are the greatest things we ever do and nobody ever knows about it, but God does. Yeah. Because he gave us the gift because he wanted us to enjoy it, that's not good. necessarily to merchandise it. Mm, that's really, that, really good. Does that make sense, that, that's, that's really good. <laughs> that makes perfect sense, yes. Because it's hard. You know yourself. Right. People 
Stephen, what we get to do in front of people, mm-hmm. everybody would like to do this. Sure. But not yeah. everybody's called to do that. Yeah. But everybody's called to give worship and expression to God. Yeah. And why is it that we get more value out of doing worship for people mm. when it was supposed to be about Him in the first place? Wow, yeah. I don't care if you can sing a lick. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It makes me think, where do we find the value in in what we do? You know what I mean? Like, what what brings value to what we do? Is it that it's marketable because it's funny you you said i gave this to you to enjoy it when you were talking about value and everything i thought well wait a minute psalms 37 4 says he'll give you the desires of your heart no it doesn't say that he doesn't say he'll give you dreams he says if you'll delight yourself in me then i can give you the desire of your heart. That's good. Because, Stephen, there's been a whole lot of things that I put God's stamp of approval on because (laughs) it was the desire of my heart. And He let me have it Mm -hmm. just for me to realize that's not what I really love. Wow. So, delighting yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desire of your heart. I think one of the first things we need to realize about our dreams and desires of heart is there's a whole lot of stuff we think we want and we really don't understand our motive for why we want because it's probably to cover up the rejection thing. One of the things that you've always said over the years is the key to discipline is desire. Is that correct? You got to help. The key to discipline is desire. Yes. But that was one where the Holy Spirit spoke that to me and I said what do you mean and he said I gave you the desire to learn to play piano did did you ever think it was hard work those six months that you took that little music theory class and figured out chords Mm. I said Lord I loved it Mm. and did did you have to really struggle hard you've never had an art lesson Mm. and you got art prints and everything he said when you have the desire for something you don't mind the discipline. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I don't know if that's in Scripture. He said, oh, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Come unto me, all you that are burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, because my yoke is easy. Mm-hmm. And when you got desire, the discipline, the practice is easy, mm-hmm. because you love it. Yeah. And you don't mind. You, in fact, you just want more time to practice. Mm-hmm. The discipline and the steps of discipline is not hard when the desire comes in front of the discipline. The way of religion is, if I do all the right stuff, one day I'll have desire for God. The way of the gospel is the simple fairy tale story of the princess was asleep and the prince kissed her. I was kissed by Jesus and I woke up with this incredible desire to do all the things I'm now doing. And I'll I'll conclude with this. It's something that I'm seeing so beautifully is that how do you know you're doing what God created you for? How do you know you are living out your destiny? You know it when you've finished doing whatever it is you've done and it was life back to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was life back to you. You just can't wait to go back and do it again because it was life back to you. Mm 
because anything less than that would not be the promise of John 10.10. I've come that you could have life and have it more than just abundant, more abundantly. Yeah, that's so good. Wow. Well, I just wanted to say thank you for everything you've given over the years to this generation of artists and seekers and, and what you've built and just the example, even in my own life. I just want to honor that and thank you for that, you know. And so I appreciate it and thanks for talking with us. So. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. I'd like to remind you that if you haven't purchased your tickets yet for the upcoming The Breath in the Clay Creative Arts Gathering, you can do so today at thebreathintheclay.com. I'd like to say thank you to Bradley Hayes and to all of our patrons who have made this episode possible. If you'd like to become a patron, you can join our online community at patreon.com forward slash makers and mystics. And lastly, I would like to thank Cageless Birds for the musical contribution to this episode. And Cageless Birds will be sharing their songs at the Breath in the Clay in March as well. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.